Good morning, family and friends. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. Praise God. We give him all the glory and all the praise that we woke up this morning with breath in our lungs. Amen. Praise God. I wanted to talk about God's house, God's God's building. Amen. Well, I just want to talk about that a little bit as today and so much on my mind, not just today, every day lately. At what point we're going to actually open our basement as a house of prayer deliverance center. And, you know, we had plans to do that. Some of you don't know. Some of you do know who know me um, and my husband. We had plans to open on November 1st of last year. And we had gotten together to have uh, a meeting and Actually, it was a dedication meeting, and I had invited a close prophetic friend uh, and asked her to kind of lead this meeting in regard to dedicating our basement to God, to use any way he chose, chooses to use it. And um, by that night, um, as all of us went home, and there were only a, a good handful of us there, four of us came down with COVID, which totally stopped the next day of us opening. We were, we were to open. That was October 31st, November 1st, we were to open. So, uh, so now we're in a time frame of completing, uh, first of all, getting over COVID, getting well. Most of us are doing very well. And, uh, but it's been a process. So, anyway, that being on our minds, my husband and I right now are in the process of uh, praying and seeking the Lord for when, what, what date, when exactly will we open the basement for that purpose. And this has been in the the plan and the leading of the Lord for about two years now, almost two years. And, uh, and we're excited about what God is going to do. And he's already done a lot uh, in regard to using the basement as a house of prayer. A lot of prayer goes on down there. Um, the Lord led us even to, and this was so beautiful, to have a man build, uh, a man that knew what he was doing, you know, a, I would say a carpenter, but he's not really a carpenter right now. He's retired, but he built us an altar for the basement, and it's so beautiful. Anyway, God's house, you know, when you think about... Um, If you've ever thought about what kind of house that God would own, you know, it's crazy to think God even has a house. Throughout scripture, though, we're given this idea that he does. God's house is not limited to a physical structure as, as much as it is the place where people gather to worship him. So every building... And listen, every room or open space filled with God's people, that becomes a, quote, house of God. Amen. House of worship. 
It isn't about a building. It's not about being in a church building or even in a real building. It's where people gather to worship. So praise the Lord. Um, We are honored to have our basement. Um, Have the Lord use our basement as a a place to, as a gathering place for people to worship. So that'll be open for anybody to come that would like to just have quiet time or pray or seek the Lord. Um, People come and go as they please. Okay, when, you know, when you think about a house, actually what comes to mind, you think about walls and windows and all that stuff, and, you know, maybe you think about a house that you grew up in or or in your memories is associated, but God's house, God's house is a gathering place. It is a gathering place where people gather to worship. One time, you know, when Jesus, let's think back in the Bible where it says, he was with his mom and dad, and, uh, and he was 12 years old. The Bible says, I believe, his parents, they let him, left him in Jerusalem. And that was, of course, that was an accident. By, um, you know, you think, how do you even do that? How do you leave your kid and walk off? Though uh, it, it doesn't speak highly of Mary and Joseph's parenting skills, it did set the scene for Jesus to declare something powerful about the church so after an all-day search jesus's parents they're finally uh they finally found him they found him sitting in the temple courts and the the jewish church listening and asking questions of the religious leaders there and when his parents find him he doesn't realize what they were so frantic about to him it was just like you know what's wrong with you guys but he assumed that they would know just where to find him because he says to them, he says, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? So Jesus connects the place with worship, the place that we worship on this earth to God's house. Jesus does. He connects it. So if you go and you gather there to worship, it's God's house. Amen? So after... We need to be thankful that, that we even have the freedom, actually, as I stop and think about it, the freedom to worship in God's house every weekend. We have freedom... It could be so opposite of that in the direction that our world is going in. None of us knows um, at what's next, you know, or what's going to happen next. The world's been kind of crazy. One of the first uh, pictures that we see in the Bible regarding God's house was with Jacob, right? Way back in the Old Testament. One night while on a journey, um, he takes his stone, he used it as a pillow for his head, and, and that night God appears to Jacob through a dream in which he saw a ladder, and that ladder reached from earth to the heavens with angels ascending and descending on that ladder. 
God promised the very spot of land that he was on to him, to uh, Jacob and his descendants. Amen. That was promised to him. And when Jacob woke up, he was he was convinced that he had discovered a unique place. And he declared this. He said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And you can find that in Genesis 28. So Jacob, he then took, you know, that very stone and he, he set it up as a as a pillar and he poured oil on it. He dedicated the place to God and he called it Bethel, which means house of God. So this was the first moments in history when God gave man a glimpse of the connection between heaven and earth. So between man and God, Jacob truly believed the place he was standing on was holy ground. It wasn't anything special until the connection to heaven was known. Amen? That would make it pretty special. So there isn't anything special about a church building per se, right? There's nothing special about a church building per se, or then we're getting into religion. No, we have to have presence. We have to have God's presence. So it's what happens in the building that makes it holy ground. It's the connection that is made between man and God in that place that makes Bethel, or made Bethel the house of God. You know, has there ever been a moment in your life when you encountered God, well, in church, a church service? Maybe you you were moved by a worship song, or maybe God used a message to speak so clearly to you. Or, (coughs) excuse me, you recognize that God is using his house to be a gateway to encountering him. A, A beautiful... Who, oh my gosh, I think back when I was young, not just when I was young, even as I've gotten older, but some of the encounters when I first met the Lord were so different than my encounters now, Um, probably because I had not encountered him before, but oh my goodness, overwhelming love and peace and joy unspeakable, Uh, different encounters with him promoted different Feelings, and I, I remember when I was first saved. All I want to do, to do, is write love poems about Jesus. <laughs> now that would seem crazy to some people, but to me, that was the waters that basically were out of your belly should flow rivers of living waters, and that was some of the waters flowing out of my belly at that time. So in gathering, gathering in a um, single place to worship God, have you ever, if you've ever wondered where it came from, it it came from that time of um, that encounter with God. You'll find there are many people today who will say, you know what, they love God, but they dislike organized religion. Well, I don't like some religion either. Um... 
But if you study the scriptures, we will discover that the idea of organizing a single location to worship God was actually, it was God's idea. And I know it seems like it's something church leaders came up with so they could have a nice building, but this was not just a God idea. It was something that God ordained. God is a God of order. There there are... Okay, well, I could get off on a rabbit trail if I go there, but after God brought the Israelites out of Egypt, he gave Moses some specific instructions to create a portable church, so to speak, and it was known as the tabernacle in Exodus 25. God instructed Moses to have all the Israelites give so that he could build a dwelling for God. And this dwelling is where God would reside among the nation until Solomon would build a permanent building. So the writer of Hebrews tells us that this sanctuary was actually a replica of what is found in heaven. Even the heavenly hosts gather in a location to worship God. So the idea that people would gather to worship uh, God in a structure wasn't for men. It was from God. God set up that structure. Okay, so I had to get a sip of my coffee. And then... You know, thankfully, because of Jesus, we're not limited to worship God in a single building anymore. Yet, when when we do gather together as a church, we can experience a powerful presence of God. No matter where it's at, whether, you know, I'll say it again, whether it's a building, whether it's a room, whether, whether it's in somebody's living room. Um... The tabernacle was a, was like a, a portable tent that was set up to house the Ark of the Covenant and the presence of God. It was a mobile church where Moses and the high priest could meet with God on behalf of the people. And one of the greatest kings of Israel, David, realized one day that he was living in a palace and the Ark of the Covenant was still in a tent. David loved God. Amen. David loved God so much that it bothered him that his house was lavish and God's house was a tent. So although God never asked, God had never asked for a permanent building, David, David's heart was in the right place. He wanted to honor God. He wanted to make his house a priority Though David had in his heart a building, a permanent building for God's house, he was not the one to build it. God specifically told David to have his son um, Solomon build the temple. So although God cannot be contained in a building, amen, having a posture of honoring God's house pleases him. So when we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, God promises to take care of us. You know, if you have a desire to help build God's house through your local church, uh, what would it look like? 
for you for you to contribute to building God's kingdom. It would look like you offering your services to the Lord or even money to the Lord as paying tithes and offerings. It would look like giving. That's what Jesus was all about, was giving and forgiving. Amen. So God's house, uh, nearly 400 years after Solomon actually built the temple, it was destroyed along with the city of Jerusalem by the Babylonians. And then God allowed Israel to be overrun by their enemy because what? They had turned their back on God and began to worship false gods. So many of the Israelites, they were taken into captivity for several years. Well, through God's grace, many of the Jews were permitted to return to their land. And a few decades later, they were able to just move into, you know, return to their own land. Yet when the people returned, they began to rebuild their own lives and they neglected the house of God again the temple. So the prophet um, Haggai challenged the people to make God's house a priority. That makes me want to go back and read the book of Haggai. I have not read it for a while. So in fact, he said that they were living under a curse because they were neglecting God's house. So he calls the people to prioritize God's house and see the blessing of God in building their own. The people repented and they went to work laying the foundation of the temple again. And because they committed to building God's house, God declared over them this day, from this day on, I will bless you, God said. So when we build God's house, he promises to build ours. When we honor God with our wealth, he promises to bless us in return. You know, we don't uh, do it to get a blessing. We do it because we want to be a blessing. We're working, we're co-laborers with Jesus Christ in building his kingdom. Amen? Destroying the works of the devil. So, in... Jesus declared that the only thing he would build was the church. And when he said this, he wasn't referring to a physical structure, but he was referring to the movement, a movement of people who would take the gospel to the ends of the earth. He was not referring to a building. So the word he used is the word ecclesia, which means the called out ones. Amen. We are, those of us who are serving the Lord, are called out ones. It was a term that often it referred to a military group being called up and sent out on a mission. Before Jesus ascended back to his Father in heaven, he commissioned his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. That is our commissioning. So he instructed them and us to start in Jerusalem and then take the message to the surrounding regions, ultimately to the ends of the earth. 
And that's what the church should be doing. That's exactly what the early church did. And that's what we should be focusing on as well. So as the church grew, so did the persecution. That's that's what the Bible tells us. Many Christians were killed. Um, They were killed for following Jesus publicly. Yet the message kept spreading and, and the church kept growing. 2,000 years later, Jesus is still, praise God, building his church. So the, the gospel is still moving towards the ends of the earth. And we're a part of what Jesus is building. He isn't just building a single place of worship. He is seeking worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. You know, have you ever considered that you and me, you are part of the fulfillment of what Jesus declared he would build? You are. If you're a part of the church, you're, you are also commissioned to build Jesus' Jesus's church in this world. So as we, we uh, have followed the history of the church, we find that God... He ordained the idea of a community gathering to worship him. What started out in a single tent became a single temple and eventually became a movement of people. So the call to build the church was never mentioned to to stay just a Jewish thing. It was a it was meant to point to a Jesus thing. Amen. So there's nothing more beautiful and nothing more enduring than the local church. What happens uh, or what makes the church special is not the building it meets in. That has nothing to do with it. But rather the community of hope that Jesus is building in us. You are part of what Jesus is building. Peter, the one Jesus commissioned to initiate the church he understood exactly what jesus was building he declared this about jesus's church he said you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to god through jesus christ So we are the the building blocks of the church today. Every facility that is built and every ministry that is created is simply a tool to reaching more people with the gospel. So not only are we called to build the church, but we are called to be, amen, be the church. So that means we share in the building Uh, in building God's house and this is not just in honoring God with our ties and our talents but it is a call to share our hope with friends, neighbors, classmates and those all around us. Amen. The only thing that is going to last for all eternity is going to be the investment that we're making in the church. The greatest treasure that we'll find is knowing that God is using us to impact someone else's eternity. That's what we're called to build. 
So in closing, just let me ask you, do you realize that you have a part in building the church? You have a part. What is your part? How are you making a difference in your local church? How can you serve? How can you give? How can you sacrifice to help build God's house? These are questions all of us need to be asking ourselves because it's it takes many people working together to build a house of God. And um, our pastors, I'm just going to throw this in there too, our pastors need your prayers. They need prayer covering. Um, and, and I do believe there are intercessors that are actually ordained of God to be praying over pastors, keeping them safe, and uh, not only keeping them safe, but praying that they'll have the wisdom of God to do God's will, to do what's on God's heart, not on man's heart, not another program, not, not another thing we're going to think up to do. Well, we didn't pray long enough, or we didn't, uh, we should have had more gatherings, or uh, not gatherings, but um what am I trying to say? You know, sometimes we got so much, so many things going. We're really not in the will of God. We need to seek the Lord. Pray is what I'm trying to say, I guess. Seek him for what is on his heart. It's like, God, what do you want to do? You know, because his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and uh, his ways are higher than our ways. So in saying that, I'm going to go ahead and close. And, and, you know, I just bless you. I pray God blesses you in the name of Jesus Christ this week. I pray that your week will be so over-the-top blessed. And I pray that you will do something special this week, whatever God leads you to do, to invest in building the kingdom of God, helping the local church. Amen.